Hey folks, just a quick note to let you know that the book that we're talking about this fortnight, Butter, Honey, Pig Bread by Francesca Ekuyasi, contains some pretty heavy topics. And our uh, conversation this week is going to include some discussions around mental illness, suicide, conversion therapy, and sexual assault. So if those are not subjects that you're in a space to listen to, then please do take care of yourself, skip this episode, and catch up with us next time. In recent mornings, since moving back home to Lagos, she awoke to thoughts of her bees. They lived in an olive green hive underneath the dappled shade of the palm trees clustered in the backyard. Among the palms, lush bougainvillea cascading over the fence between the neighbor's compound dropped bright pink paper blooms like blessings upon the hive. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Alicia. And I'm Lindsay. And welcome to our episode about Butter, Honey, Pig Bread by, oh gosh, I just forgot her name, Francisca. You can do it. Equi Yassi? Yeah, I think. Francisca <laughs> Equi Yassi. I just, I'm saying them all slow and drawn out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of unfamiliar names to us in this book. Um, a lot of them quite beautiful, mm-hmm. um, but and we are gonna once again do our best to say them properly. We are uh, yes, we YouTubed the heck out of these names. We did, but we'll see how how it goes. Okay. All right. Um, so I guess I'll start with talking a tiny bit about the author. Um, so once again, uh, a contemporary author. To, uh, who has written a book which we were just discussing we're not sure but we may we think it may be the first book we've covered in this podcast that is set in contemporary times um we're not sure <laughs> what books we've talked about before but it could be um so this is a debut novel from the author Francesca Akuyasi, who is a writer and multidisciplinary artist from Lagos Nigeria um this book was shortlisted no Long-listed. Long-listed for the Giller Prize, and it was also a Canada Reads selection in 2021. Mm-hmm. So and, this book yeah. might be a little bit more popular than some of Hopefully. our other books. <laughs> yeah, maybe you've actually heard of it or read it, unlike most of the books we cover. Um, and I would also like to say I was rooting hard for this book in Canada Reads, and it was the second last one to be eliminated. So it, it was the runner-up. It almost won. Oh. Yeah, so Francesca Ekuyasi has published lots and lots of short stories and creative nonfiction that you can find online and in different publications. She's also a documentary filmmaker and a visual artist. She's got some like really, really gorgeous paper cutting art mm. that you can see on her website, that we, which we will post a link to in our show notes. Okay. And hopefully, um, looking forward to like many more books from her because I love this one. All right. Uh, The back of the book. Mine just has um, quotes. Oh, yeah. Mine, too. Yeah. The inside. The inside has. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's what you get with these modern books. Get it on the inside flap instead of the back. Oh. Many a time. (laughs) Many a time. I love how you're so sage in this knowledge. (laughs) That's what you get. These modern tales. All right. Are we reading? I'm okay. Yeah, go for it. 
In sensuous mythic prose, Francesca Ekwayasi's sweeping debut novel tells the interwoven stories of three Nigerian women, Kambiranachi and her twin daughters, Kihinde and Tia. Believing herself to be an Ogbenji, a spirit that plagues a family with grief by dying repeatedly in childhood and being reborn, Kambiranachi fears the consequences of her defiant decision to stay alive. Her worst fears come true when Kihinde experiences a devastating childhood trauma that fractures a family in a seemingly irreversible ways. Kihinde moves away to Montreal to heal and build a life of her own. Taya flees to London and attempts to numb her guilt and loneliness with reckless hedonism. After more than a decade apart, Taya and Kihinde return home to visit their mother in Lagos, where the three women must address the wounds of the past if they are to reconcile and move forward. Incandescent and evocative, Butter Honey Pig Bread is an intergenerational tale of choices and their consequences, of motherhood, of the malleable line between the spirit and the mind, of finding new homes and mending old ones, of voracious appetites, of queer love, of friendship, faith, and above all, family. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. It's a pretty good summary. Pretty good summary. Mm-hmm. So well done, Arsenal Pulp. That's the publisher. All right. All right. Let's, uh, yeah, let's pull up prompts. Ooh, favorite character. Let's get into it. Honorable mention plus pull a prompt from the character cues. Okay. There's lots of characters in this book, um, and the chapters alternate between the three main characters. So you get a Kimbiranachi, you mm-hmm. get a Tay, you get a Kehinde, and they sort of cycle mm-hmm. through. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that Tay is my favorite character. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... I think I just um, identify with her most. Okay. Identify with her... Reckless um, hedonism? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no. I don't identify with her reckless hedonism, but I very much identify with her um, as a child feeling like she had no voice and um, she was very quiet and her sister always spoke for her Mm. um, and she is much more... um, socially awkward, I think, Mm, mm -hmm. than anybody else in the book. So I identify with that. And um, I wish I could say identify with her um, ability to make, to like put so much time and effort into food preparation Mm. um, because I love food Mm -hmm. and I used to love cooking and baking, but in recent years I've just been like, I do not have the energy for this, but Mm. she kind of inspires me to to get back into hmm. food making again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's your favorite? <clears throat> I don't know. Um, there are parts of both twins that I really liked. Mm-hmm. I have to admit that I just, I have a soft spot for Kim Baranachi. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. I think that hers, the way that she's like, continually vilified by people who don't understand her and mm-hmm. don't realize how hard she's just trying to show up for life mm-hmm. and um, her experiences. Like I, I appreciated her parts of her book so much. Yeah. I didn't appreciate like the, the parts where she was like really, you know, obviously like suffering like an absent mother mm-hmm. um, and like how that affected her children. But you I mean, when she was an absent mother, not when her yeah, mother was yeah, absent. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Both. <laughs> Both. Um, oh, wait, should we hit the spoilers? Oh, yeah, we should. <laughs> Just. Uh... We're going to spoil it all. Yeah. Um, we are going to talk about every aspect of this book. So highly recommend if you haven't read it, you pause us and go read it and come back. 
Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, Kim Marinacci, I think is my favorite. Mm -hmm. And then my honorable mention will have to be Wolfie. Really? Love me some Wolfie. You love Wolfie. Wolfie's, I don't know. I love the storyline that had Wolfie Mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I really liked Wolfie. Oh, I'm so glad because I felt like I should like Wolfie, but I felt nothing for him. (laughs) Aww. I think my honorable mention is... Probably Banji, the twins' father. Okay, yeah. He just seemed like a really good dude mm-hmm. and um, a really good father, a really mm-hmm. good partner, um, really supportive, really gentle and sweet. Yeah. And his death was so sad. So sad. Um, so I think he's my honorable mention. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, okay. Is this the character? Oh, yeah, the character question, right. Uh, which character would you drop into a heist movie? Mm. You know, I bet mm. Teo would be really good at this because she could just, like, seduce and captivate the hell out of mm. a lot of people on their way to stealing something. That's true. She could just give them that look with those eyes and her gap-toothed uh, smile that she does. Yeah, um, yeah. However, for pure entertainment value, if this is like a heist film that I was watching, I think I would drop Timmy into oh it. Oh, my God. Timmy would be so good. Because, yeah, I feel like he would be a great addition to, like, a heist crew. Yeah, he would. Yeah. yeah. He would just bring the humor and the levity. Him and Taya together. Oh, yeah. Would be such a great like they would be a little like duo a little duo amongst a larger crew yeah yeah perfect yeah excellent all right all righty next prompt <clears throat> okay ain't that a name oh Names my in the book that deserve a mention so like i said there's a lot of um names in here that are unfamiliar that were to me lots mm-hmm. of um, nigerian names and uh, I would like to mention that I there was a part, I don't know if you noticed it, but when Taya later in the book when she's talking to Salome um, and she mentions that her sister's name is Kehinde and Salome is like, oh, Taya and Kehinde, you're twins. Yes. So I looked it up and those are traditional Yoruba twin names. Oh. And um, it's based on the order of birth. And so they talk about that a little bit in the book, how her mm-hmm. dad always calls Tay baby two, yeah. um, even though she was born first because the belief was that the second baby was actually the more dominant one and sent the first baby out in advance to like scope it out. I love that. <laughs> I love that too. So Taya is the name for the baby that comes out first and Kay and Day is the name for the baby that comes out second. And that is a traditional twin naming thing and also I read and I don't know if this is accurate because it was just from a random website and I didn't have time to verify it but I did read that um, West Africa has one of the highest birth rates of twins in the world that twins are like much more common there than in other parts of Africa or even the whole world so I thought that was really interesting if true (laughs) if true (laughs) if true Um, yeah so, and I think those are really pretty names. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And my other favorite name was Salome Colette. Yeah, that's quite the name. Such a good name. And I've never actually heard anyone say Salome before. Mm. I've always wondered how that name's pronounced. I must admit, I don't like it that much. Because it sounds much like salami. Or salmon. How, did, how were you hoping it was pronounced? I don't know. I thought it was like Salome. Salome. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
But then I was like, that can't be it because there's Salome. Because there's an accent on the E. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it a French name? Maybe it's better with a so. French accent. Oh, everything's better with a French accent. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Silly me. <Yeah. laughs> so maybe I'll like it better when a French I'm like, oh, yes. Salome. Um, Wolfie is also a good name. Wolfie. They never really give an explanation for why Wolfie's called Wolfie. They don't. No. no it's just it's great. Name. It's just Wolfie. Yeah. Um, there's um, also a character named Zora, mm-hmm. which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, is Zora the the coffee shop? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The tea shop. The tea oh, shop. Yeah. 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 And side note, I thought that was such an interesting. This book is so much about relationships, uh-huh. and we go, we get a lot of detail about so many of Tay's relationships. Um, but Zora's was like relegated to like two paragraphs. Do you remember? And it was like it because that chapter was more about her friendship with Timmy Mm. but it was like she got so distracted by Zora that she kind of abandoned Timmy and stopped getting in touch with him during that difficult time in his life yeah which was horrible but it was kind of like and then Zora realized that like Taya wasn't going to commit commit and so that you know she ended at the end and I was like whoa like that was so yeah it was so fast and I guess that she wasn't so much an impact on Tay herself as much as she was on her relationship with Timmy, which is why we got the focus shifted yeah. from that. Well, I feel like Timmy and her made a real connection. Mm-hmm. And Zora, um, well, I feel like Zora was an example of like a far more typical Taya relationship. Like mm-hmm. Salome was like the one where she was like, this one actually has the potential to like, right. she finally met someone who had the potential to hurt her as much as she hurt other people. Right. And you kind of like, yeah, that mm-hmm. Taya kind of reckless hedonism. Reckless hedonism. Yeah. yeah. I do like how they, um, it, how she kind of equated sex and food in that way, where she was mm. like, I just have this hunger mm-hmm. and I'm just feeling it how I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I think um, I felt like it was an internal perspective from mm-hmm. like uh, people who are often portrayed as like sex starved or, yeah, or like nymphomaniacs. Or yeah, like, nymphomaniacs and yeah. whatnot. And it was, it gave a little bit more roundness to. Like mm-hmm. that experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other names that jumped out at you? Uh, I liked the way that Timmy was spelled. Yeah, I like that T- T- T-I-M-I, T-I-M-I. Yeah. yeah. Um, trying to remember. And like you mentioned before, Kim Biranachi, um was called Camby a lot of the time. And I liked that. Yeah, it's a, a really cute nickname. Yeah. Was Sister Bissy a nun? <laughs> I don't think so. Why did they call her Sister Bissy? Like, obviously Bissy was her name, but why Sister? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wonder if that's just like a, a form of address for someone who's like lives with you and it's close, but isn't actually family. Like, I don't know. Mm. I'm just speculating, but that's, that's a good question. I don't, it never mentions that she's a nun, although they are Catholic. Yeah. And religion does have its own place within this book Absolutely, as well, yeah. mm-hmm, which In is very really interesting. interesting way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Star, star is a good name. Oh yeah. <laughs> star. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what was the name of, oh, um, I don't know how to say it. Her cousin, S-A-D-E. 
S-A-D-E, Sade? Sade? Is that like the singer? Yeah. Is that yeah. How you say her name? I think so because I think I once Googled it and was like, oh, because Cedric was like, it's Sadie. And I was like, I don't think it is. And Isabella, yeah. Isabella was marrying a Toki. <laughs> oh, yeah. Toki. Yeah. yeah. Toki. Oh. Toki well, was a problem. Toki was a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That whole relationship was a problem. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just like now reading off all the names so yeah well i think if any other ones had really jumped out we would have remembered them so yeah but yeah i quite like i quite like the names in this book yeah me too all right all right whoa there problematic things in the book whoa there i mean there's lots of terrible things that happen but i don't think that they're yeah. They're within the plot purposefully. For sure. There's like, lots of trauma and there's lots of heavy topics, but mm-hmm. nothing that is portrayed problematically. And again, I think this is because we're reading a contemporary book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you've got one? Well, not, I don't know. It doesn't, it never really gets that much addressed. And I don't feel like Francesca is like, you know, p- p- saying one thing or another. Um, when Hinde and Farouk go to Lagos, mm-hmm. And like clearly, she's going through a lot having mm-hmm. come back to her like oh, yeah. home, and he tries to get it on with her in her childhood bedroom while this is all happening, and what? she's like, mm, "I'm not f- like f- feeling this," and he's like, "It's been almost a month," and I she's just know. like, mm. "And I was like, okay, yeah. like I don't, I don't feel like Francesca was making quite a comment, mm-hmm. but Candy doesn't really like, and she's just not in the place to. But I just felt like a slight word of like." whoa now (laughs) yeah no I 100% agree I was really troubled by that too and I was like dude she's literally back in her childhood home where she was repeatedly raped and assaulted yeah and it's unclear if he knows about that no he does because she says that she had told him about it before they had sex the first time oh so he does know he yeah like what the hell yeah that is a big old boo yeah and I felt like Otherwise I felt, a good I felt like, character. yeah, like what, but what was that telling me about the character? And it was so casual. And I just mm-hmm. felt like the problematic thing for me there is that it's just so casual and it was not mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it just jumped out at me as this, like this continual problem that, yeah. you know, exists where like men just feel like they they're can, entitled. they're entitled to sex. Yeah, no, I agree. It is, it is, that was a, that was a problematic thing. And I also wonder if it was like, because partially part of that storyline is also that like she's pregnant, that she mm-hmm. finds it later. And I wondered if that was maybe put in there because of that, but that didn't really didn't need to be there. No, because he's not been like, it's almost a month since you got your period. Maybe right. you're pregnant. He right. was like, it's been almost a month. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't like that. Um, Which also is like, she's been like not feeling well as we learn. Mm-hmm. So fuck you, Farouk. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Boo. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing that I noted in my woe there mm-hmm. reading was, um, and this is, again, I don't know if this is, I don't think this is intended to be a commentary as truth because it is in the K&A chapters and she's narrating these from her point of view, which mm-hmm. is, of course, biased. So we're hearing her fears. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are multiple or two different times where she references her miscarriage being because she didn't feel like she wanted the baby enough. Mm. And I find that problematic. 
mm. um, as a narrative that you that that is something that you can wish away and, mm. or that if you have a miscarriage that it's somehow your fault. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's not like this was an objective. You know, no, I think that's something thing, that unfortunately women who suffer a miscarriage who mm-hmm. end up grieving the miscarriage can feel. Sure. But sometimes these things are just the same thing with like Farouk is like, I don't expect authors to comment on anything, but there is so much progression in this book mm-hmm. of different viewpoints. It's always nice to add like a little bit of like a note just so people know like this is can be a problematic viewpoint. Like it is the way the world is, but it's also mm-hmm. like if you're reading this and you just had a miscarriage, like don't think that that's like... Yeah, exactly. And I feel like with K&A, she does, it's clear that she is a person who's been traumatized by multiple things in her life. And mm-hmm. it's clear that she has some um, trauma-based uh, beliefs. Mm-hmm. But some of them are are addressed, like the whole situation with her weight, right? Oh Where my goodness, yes. She's always felt jealous of Tay because she could never gain any weight. And as a child, they always told her, when Tay eats, you gain weight. And like, she hates her body. Yeah. But that, while problematic, it's like, it's commented on as like, this is something that was a, a problem for her. And like, this is- Yeah, continues to be a problem. Harmful for her and like- yeah, we can recognize that this wasn't a good thing to be telling her as a child. Yeah. And we can see the effects that it's had. Yeah. Where I feel like the miscarriage thing wasn't quite portrayed in the same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Next prompt. Oh, Bolters. It really is heinous of you, Bolter. All right. So we were talking a little bit um, earlier about who was a Bolter, like how, how we were connecting this in. And I felt like Camby's Kim, mom was the true Bolter of the book. It can, uh, yeah. Yeah, who just like literally like drops Camby, mm-hmm. takes her to her sister, mm-hmm. visits for like three days a little while later for Camby's birthday, and then is never to be seen Yeah, never again. Her again. Yeah, and I felt that Kende was the bolter, um, although I agree that Ikena mm-hmm. is also a bolter, but... Um, well, there could be more than one. There's definitely... <laughs> I felt that Kende was very much um, bolting from her trauma. Yeah. And when they had... She and Taya had talked as... When they were younger about going to off to university together, going mm-hmm. to the UK together, and then she just was like, nope. Which is interesting because, like, while she, yes, she she bolted from the plan because mm-hmm. Taya actually did go first. Like, mm-hmm. Candy took almost more, like they said, like another year yeah. to to go. So to she go. was actually behind. Yeah, it was a like a reverse bolt. It was a reverse she bolt. Was like, I'm not coming with you. But then when she went, she went like fully, and she did not keep in touch. No. Yeah. Um, it seems like very little with their mom, and not at all with Taya. Yeah. So I think that in terms, this is like a different type of bolt than all the other bolts we've had. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because she wasn't really bolting from the same kind of like um, societal pressures as the other women that we've looked at in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's bolting, she's bolting from her trauma. And I think the whole book is sort of a commentary on how like that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like she bolts from her life, from like the foundation of her 
family and her life and her culture mm-hmm. and her sister yeah, yeah. Her twin relationship yeah. yeah and that only that it's that that kind of bolting can only go on for so long before yeah it's like that old thing like wherever you go there you are <laughs> yes exactly yeah. yeah and so this is also unusual because we We've very much seen bolters who like bolt and they're gone, but this mm-hmm. book is very is like they come back in the end, right? Yeah. Like, Why do they come back? I don't remember. Um. Well, so, Taya comes back because it's clear Kimby's not doing well. Yes. Um. But she's decided like she. It seems like she's come back for good. Like she's mm-hmm. now living in mm-hmm. Nigeria. And Kahinde, I think it's just like Kahinde's finally ready because there's no event that she comes back for. No. no. Yeah. So. Yeah. They just, I guess they both reach a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Taya had graduated from her program and things had gone south with Salome. Mm. And I think. Yeah, that was going to be interesting because was she going to go back to yeah. Halifax? I know. For Salome. Gonna do a happen. food truck or food truck in Nigeria. Yeah. I know. Yeah. She's got mm-hmm. lots of possibilities at the mm-hmm. end. Um, and uh, my sense is that she probably would go back because um, Kande was going back to Montreal. Mm. And, and then they'd be, be, and yeah, like then if they're reconnecting, they're mm-hmm. much closer together mm-hmm. and there's also going to be a, a a niece or a nephew. Yeah, and their mother won't be there no. to take care of. No. So. Oh, is that a little problematic? <laughs> the end. Of, oh, I, I know. don't find it problematic, but I see how it could be read as problematic. I feel like it could be a trigger for some people. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so just a nod out to that being, because yeah. I was I was unclear about how I felt about it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. What section are we on? Bolters? Well, let's talk about this too because... <laughs> That's the bolt. That's the ultimate yeah, bolt. because um, Kande... Uh, not Kande. Kambi is a really interesting character because I think you can read her as... As this as like a literal... You know, she is uh, this Akbanji spirit. She is in constant communion with like spirits from the other world she calls them her kin they're always trying to draw her back mm-hmm. um and she believes that she's a child who's been born and died many mm-hmm. times before and has now like against her nature chosen to stay chosen to stay but yeah and she's got all these things where she thinks that she you know she can see illness and she there's that part where she draws the illness out of her father's chest mm-hmm. so you can read that as this is a book with an element of magic to it. Yeah, she talks to death. Yeah. Or you can read it as this is a mentally unwell woman and it mentions at one point that she's taking quetiapine. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's a type of medication and I looked it up and it's an antipsychotic drug that is mm. used to treat schizophrenia. Mm. And yeah, so you can really... And it helps. Yeah, but you can... you can It can be read both ways, right? Like Yeah. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And I also think it's really interesting the way that you can see that Taya also has inherited some of that mm. because she speaks to Our Lady and the part where her She father, sees her for a while. She sees her, yeah. And the part where her father dies, that the three women are in their kitchen and 
both Cambera Nachi and Taya like gasp and like keel over. Kayende doesn't. Mm. Um, so you, yeah, I find that yeah. really fascinating. And while, yes, I think it's troubling that the idea that um, it's almost like a glorification of suicide, but at the same time, it's been so set up throughout the entire book that for her death is something different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, um, a couple of years ago, I didn't know them, but, um, someone I knew, like there was a post about someone who had committed suicide and it was about how, um, you know, I think it was described like they, they were combating some of the language around, um, the way people talk about suicide and whatnot. And they were like, this is a battle that they fought for years and they did everything that they could Mm -hmm. to try and stay here and be here. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, we're lucky like that we had them for as long as they had, like we knew that how much they struggled. And I really feel like that is Cammy's story. Like she Mm -hmm. tries very hard Mm -hmm. to stay. And then the knocks of life, um, Mm -hmm you know, really, um, wither her down. And that's like, once she finally sees the rift between her daughters healed, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's, she's just like, it's time. Like, yeah. 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 So yeah. Anyways. Really? Yeah. I liked, I really liked that aspect Mm. of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, and I liked the kind of ambiguity. I like the ambiguity. I like that she also, like, whether or not she was just, you know, like, having psychosis episodes or whatnot, they, like, it is portrayed very much as, like, her own, like, it's real to her. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and within that, she is, like, conscious and, yeah. like, making decisions and that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's also yeah. that that episode where she you kind of find out about a through a whole bunch of viewpoints throughout the story when she cuts, when she mm-hmm. discovers Taya almost killing uncle, what's his face? Ernest. Ernest. Yeah. And like Candy finds them mm-hmm. and thinks that her mother's like attacked Taya, but her yeah. mom's actually stopped Taya from killing uncle Ernest. And, yeah. but like, recognizes that there's something in Taya that needs to be quelled and like mm-hmm. perform something on her. And yeah, mm-hmm. like Taya and Kahin, um, Taya and Kambi are like way more in common mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Anyways, where were we? We were talking about <laughs> bolters. Oh, bolters. So in that sense, yeah. Nachi is a bolter too, because yeah. right, she bolted from her kin. Mm-hmm. from her true nature and yes. chose to be as she kept referring to it like caged yeah um, and, and in do... a sense it's that choice that mm-hmm. informs the whole book and really like yeah. the girl's life's lives are life's yeah. lives are <laughs> lives there's a line at the very end that I really love um, when Kambiranachi I keep calling her Kandi but when Kambiranachi is um, she's gone to her childhood home. She's like at the water. Um, and she says, it says she doesn't regret this life, but it hurts nonetheless. Mm. And I think that's such a good line. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love in that same chapter, it says, um, if you ask Kambiranachi, this is how she'll tell it. And then there's a line in the Yoruba language that I won't butcher, but it translates to, the ocean never swallows a person whose leg it does not touch. 
Mm. So it's like she's really making that deliberate choice. Yeah. 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 I do have to um, wonder, though I love the end of the story, like I do love the poeticness of the ending for her, but I do wonder on the impact that it's going to have on our kids after. I know. I don't think they're going to be that happy. No, about so that it. she'll never get to meet her grandchild. Yeah, and they've just like healed this rift, and then mm-hmm. that's going to happen. But I know, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, but hopefully, like, it just helps, like, now that they have each other. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a new chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Next prompt. Keanu reads. You're crazy. You're <laughs> fucking crazy. Ooh. Yeah. How, how are we going to... I do have one oh, you thought do? for okay. connecting okay. Keanu to this book, and it's okay. the movie Always Be My Maybe and the scene in the restaurant. Because this book is like so much about food and like the experience of eating and like the pleasure of food. And that scene always just like kills me. It's so great. When like, so what is it? They're like listening through headphones, like the sounds of like the animal that they're eating. And he's just like sobbing. He's he's like, I'm sorry. And (laughs) it's so hilarious because like she's just like methodically eating the sh- crap out of that <laughs> and someone else, and I don't know what the other I can't remember what the other girl is doing but then he's just like pulled it's so funny if you haven't seen the movie call I uh, know always be my always maybe. be my maybe I'll definitely recommend it yeah. um it doesn't look like it has Keanu Reeves in it and that's kind of spoiling it a little bit but he is and it's wonderful and you should watch it and you if you're not enjoying it you have to wait until Keanu shows up you should also say that he's playing himself <laughs> he is playing himself and it's amazing yeah. I will also say he enters to the song sale <laughs> Yeah, it's just really, really great. It's so great. Depiction of that restaurant, which is like so pretentious. Well, because doesn't he like he orders like he's like I'm looking for something that plays with the concept of time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the guy's like I got it. I'm like what? Yeah. All right, I love it. Let's go with it. All right. All right. Okay, this magic moment. Favorite part. Okay, I really like Taya's um, relationship with Bobby, like mm-hmm. that little mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. when they're in the cooking club, a uh, not club class. Yeah. Um, I and she is clearly rocking it, and she's really getting into food. This is the Catalan cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like their whole relationship. I kind of wonder why they don't keep in touch. Like mm. you know, she connects with Timmy, but we never really hear about Bobby again. Yeah, it's true. Um, but you do wonder. It's kind of a little bit portrayed like Bobby was in love with Taya, mm-hmm. and or at least like in lust with in lust with her, and was having like they had each other, and that was it. So like they had that bond, but he wasn't going to keep in touch. I actually was similar. Yeah. Yeah, past experience. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's better maybe to just clean break. Clean break it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, all the food. Um, mm-hmm. So many good food descriptions. So many good food descriptions. It reminded me a little bit. There's a, there is a, I don't know, a, um, it's not a trend. Is it a, like a kind of book where like someone writes enough about the food that you feel like you can make the recipe? Because I've read mm-hmm. at least three other books yeah. that have like detailed food descriptions where like you can kind of tell that the person's like, 
I'm just gonna. Yeah. If you want to do this, here's how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there something that you feel like you would want to eat from this book? Does anything like stick out? The cake? Yeah. Like, like the, the caramel chocolate. chocolate. Salted caramel. Yeah. Cake. That sounded really good. Delicious. Um, the moss mosa mosa sounds really really yummy and actually i was reading an article um on the cbc about well it was an it was an interview with francesca can i just echo wasi Okay. And uh, she talked about how, like, that was, like, her favorite food. Mm, yeah. yeah. And described it even more. And I was like, oh, dang, that sounds so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I really liked um, the beginning of Cambi and Banji's, like, relationship mm. and, like, her paintings yeah. Yeah. Um, and how he, like, pursued her for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really liked that. I liked the story of, like, their um, their honey like their kind of honeymoon yeah. and uh this book is also like it had a lot of music references it did and yeah. i looked some of them up and mm-hmm. i've been playing some of them because uh yeah. uh joyful um one of them was like afro soul jazz mm-hmm. and it's the dead of winter here in canada with very cold days and yeah. it's like really brightened up my kitchen to have such nice. joyful music playing that feels very warm a lot of this book felt very warm and mm-hmm. i enjoyed reading it yeah i think all of the um, place descriptions mm. are so wonderful, mm-hmm. um, whether it's like Lagos or the south of France mm. or Halifax, like even the descriptions of Halifax in the winter where she's talking about like warm soup and like cozy mm. socks and like mm-hmm. fireplaces. Like it's, she does places really well. She does places very well. And having, homes. Having been to Halifax with you, mm-hmm. I definitely felt like I could feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um I love the part where she and Salome and I don't know how to say her son's name, Hakim or Hakim. Oh, I think it's Hakim. Hakim. No, um, I think I call my agent, the, oh. the, the French, so I recommend oh, okay. it to you. I think there's a Hakim. Well, I've seen Hakim as a name with a K. Oh. This is with a C-H, so I'm not sure, but um, the I part should. where the three of them go to watch the crows. Oh, yeah. Love that part. Did not know that about Halifax. No, I didn't either. Um, uh, okay, the onion tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> She's got like a tattoo on her whole chest about of like and like down her sternum, like between her breasts, of like a flowering onion. And I think it sounds. I, have you seen, uh, onions flower beautifully? I'm sure, but it's just like that whole conversation that she has with Kahinde, oh, and yeah. she's like, "Oh, I read this essay about like the holy onion," and she's like. So you decided to get an onion tattoo? She's like, yeah, it's the kind of person I am now. <laughs> <laughs> and is it not a callback to that? It's from Salome? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she recommended it to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked that part. I liked when um, Taya, so when she meets Timmy or maybe it's just at the end when she and Timmy like come back together. Mm-hmm. And I really like how Timmy just like, flies to Lagos and like they make it happen and they have such a joyful reunion Mm -hmm. and I just really like their friendship yeah and I was really happy to know that Timmy was okay in the end yes um that was really nice and then the only other thing I'll say is I love the parts where she's like communicating with our lady 
Mm. I just really like that aspect of it. For some reason, it's incredibly sad. Mm. She's very lonely. Mm. Um, But I think it's like also like it's really, I don't know. I just... I just really liked it for some reason. I can't, nice. I can't describe it. I also like the parts where, um, as the story is told, Kindy's reading um, Taya's letters, mm-hmm. and but she's also thinking of like she sees the connection of like Taya's like I think I saw you in a club, and she like yeah. had the same thing, and then even like how the Wolfie story ends, where like mm-hmm. he sees Taya and then has like this whole night with Taya, and it like really yeah. gives him the closure that he needs, yeah. and like. You know, I really, uh, yeah. yeah, I really liked that back and forth where like mm-hmm. they were still having this entwined mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was always that connection. There was always that connection. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk for a minute, although this isn't a magic moment, but about the point of view of these chapters? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that because I found it very, <laughs> <laughs> I find it very strange that, um, Candace is first person mm-hmm. and Taya is second person. And yeah, and Camberanachi is uh, third third person. Third person. And then Camberanachi is like, no, yeah. in the end. And like, I'm taking it back. Yeah. So then she like takes <laughs> Fights the narrator for her own narration. So who do we think the narrator is? I don't know because I found it very interesting. Like you like Taya best. And I have to say that I enjoyed a lot more of Taya's stories. I'm not that you liked her best, but she was, you know, mm-hmm. your favorite character. And I thought it was interesting that we were in the part of candy but like I felt the least connected like I felt mm-hmm. like I think part of it is it because I don't know like I mean every every book kind of has somewhere that it goes so I feel like maybe you saw it coming but the um uncle Ernest mm-hmm. like the I don't know. I feel like it is a reveal that mm-hmm. it's not just the one incident yes, that we're sure. led to believe. Like it's yeah. more. And I found that was a little strange t- to me just because we're in first person with Kahindi. Mm-hmm. So like it's mm-hmm. odd to have her be the one yeah, holding that, it. Yeah. Knowledge that you don't know when you're in the first person. For sure. Yeah. I know that, that also came as a surprise to me. Where I was mm-hmm. like, hold on, wait, did that happen after? No, it couldn't have, but it had to have happened before. And then it does make it clear that it happened before mm-hmm. that night. But yeah. Um, yeah. The theory that I have. Oh, okay. And tell me what you think about this. Okay. I, I, you know, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we've mentioned before, Kande is the one who does not have that otherworldly connection. Right? No. So my theory is that the narrator is somehow connected to like this idea of kin, like this idea mm. of spirit, who is narrating to us what is happening with Kimberanachi and what is happening with Taya. And then at the end, Kimberanachi kind of rests that away from them because they have that dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Kande is sort of separated from that. Mm-hmm. And so that, she, because there isn't that connection, she has to narrate her own. Right. Story. Okay. That's my theory. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I thought about this a lot because I was like, what? What is the purpose of this? Because it's obviously there's got to be a reason for it. There's something that, there, yeah, there's a reason why yeah. the narration changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just found it was interesting because, I mean, I really liked the Wolfie story, but a lot of candy, like, you, yeah, like, I mean, I, 
maybe that's part of it is that it's first person, yet you still get the sense that she's hiding, mm-hmm. like even from mm-hmm. herself. Yeah, absolutely. And in yeah. some ways it's like, because she's narrating her own story, she can hold things back. Whereas because someone else is narrating for the others, they're just throwing it all out there. It's true. Yeah. Because yeah. nothing's really hidden with Taya's story. No. And there's even parts where When she narration... cheats on... I mean, she doesn't cheat on Salome, but she breaks Salome's rule yeah. on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't leave you very long no. to know that that's what she does. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, there's a couple parts where the narrator will say like, um, this this fact about Taya, she didn't know this, but, but this. Ah, so like, you yeah. know, it's like... You know, there it, it that all-seeing third. Yeah, it like, very much feels like a presence, like mm. not just a. Yeah, well, I like your idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I don't even know what section we were in. Uh, I think that was magic moments. Like oh, your... well, oh, okay. So I, it's oh. not a magic moment, but okay. I wanted to shout out to. Um, Ken Berenacci's aunt who takes her in yeah. and has that wonderful mm-hmm. finally requited love affair with her older yeah. married uh man man mm-hmm. that like he eventually like moves in like no, but he didn't ever like officially leave his wife I feel like there was religious reasons or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah but his poor wife I well I mean he probably still paid for I mean yeah but maybe it sucked but maybe it didn't. Maybe yeah, he maybe still, like, like, paid. Riddance. Well, like, it, he's clearly in love with the other woman. Mm-hmm. And, like, he keeps it on, like, a certain down low. Yeah. But eventually, like, they just, I don't know. I thought it was very sweet. I mean, I guess, yeah, it sucks to be the other woman. But, it, yeah, no, that relationship between, what was her aunt's name? Again? Yeah, and, like, her aunt is just so nice to her and, like, gives her, like, a loving home, which is all that she has needed and wanted and, like... I feel like her aunt, like, really saves her. Yeah, 100%. Akuchi, her aunt Akuchi, yeah. Yeah, because it was just, yeah, it was so, such a relief to see her land in a home like that. Because mm-hmm. her father was loving, but her mother, and I thought it was really um, compassionate the way her mother was described mm. about how after so many miscarriages and so many infant deaths, like it broke her. Mm. And when, by the time she finally had a child that lived, she couldn't love it fully love it because partially of this belief that it was that spirit, right. That had done that to her that many times. And could still like, you know, like through entire, like Cameronacci's childhood, like that was always Mm -hmm. a, like, you know, if yeah. they, be- if she did believe that, that was always a risk again. So she yeah. couldn't quite attach and, mm-hmm. and fair dues because like from Kim Berenacci's perspective, it was always a temptation. And she kept saying she saw doorways everywhere, like doorways mm-hmm. into death. And they, like, she, she noticed something was odd. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people talk about like how they could notice something was off with Kim Berenacci. Like mm-hmm. she was off in her own head. She did seem to, yeah. you know, talk to maybe things that weren't there. Like mm-hmm. that, other people couldn't see. Like she acted yeah. strangely, yeah. and it reinforced a lot of this idea. Yeah. But she acted strangely and was maybe also told this mm-hmm. idea and was like, "That's you know, like yeah. you know, like when you're told something so young as a child, like mm-hmm. that you imprint on it, like yeah, yeah, yeah." But that was a really lovely relationship she had with her. Aunt. Yeah. So I felt like that was a magic moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right. All right. Turn that page again. Are there any cats in this book? Yeah, there's two cats in this book. Two cats. There's Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. The cat that lives at uh, their home in Logos. Mm-hmm. And then Wolfie has a cat named Lulu, which you only see once, but she like runs through the room. <laughs> Great names for cats. Great names for cats. They don't play a huge role. No. Um, Coca-Cola is often like there, like sitting on someone's lap or... Isn't Kehinde upset because Coca-Cola was hers? Mm-hmm. And then when she comes back, Coca-Cola at first won't have anything to do with her. Yeah, and like, cat. it's like shadowing Taya, like nobody's yeah. business. I mean, Taya's probably giving her like shrimp and butter. and she's been there for a lot longer yeah. so like she was probably really getting neglected before mm-hmm. yeah when cammy was experiencing terrible elder abuse yeah yeah but i appreciate that they're in there those cats yeah me too yeah all right all right last prompt and i know what it's gonna be is there any Oh, it's so appropriate. Oh, good. Make Making butter with one's tail. Ew. But the butter. I know. <laughs> but the tail. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, there is so much. A lot. So much. And um, very descriptive. <laughs> yeah, way more Some than books, any other of the other books we've read. Ever read. Some books, you know, um, mm-hmm. like to skip over that, like mm-hmm. movies when they like you know, is it like, or the Truman show when like, you know, he and his wife are getting it on there. Like, and we've like, the camera always goes up to like, you know, the picture above the bed kind of situation. (laughs) Like, yeah. Whereas like, I feel like it is more now of a trend to show all these, Mm -hmm. like they even do it like now on like crime novels or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's Jane Patterson, but like one of the other like big you know, crime novelists, like right. apparently his sex scenes are super detailed and like oh. interviewers have asked him like, what's up with that? And he's like, well, everything else is detailed. So I just like <laughs> felt weird to skip over that. And they're like, isn't it weird to write? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't like it. The people like it. The people. <laughs> give the people what they want, um, which is, yeah. So, and yeah, lots of queer sex. Mm-hmm. It was great. I love that Tay's story had way more sex than anybody else's story. Well, it fit with her character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and lots of good sex. Lots of good sex. Yes. Yeah, lots was... of sex with food imagery. Yeah. Like. Yep. Sex and food. Sex and food. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Candy's sex parts were also like, I think, very true i would imagine that like for someone who had experienced that kind of trauma in the Mm. past um there's that really sad part where they're camping in that tent and it's after they've slaughtered the pig and she um oh yeah is like visualizing blood on wolfie's hands while he's touching her and Mm -hmm. she like freaks out and Mm -hmm. um yeah so I liked that while those parts were hard to read, I liked the acknowledgement that that kind of trauma does have those lasting effects, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Especially like intrusive thoughts when you, like mm-hmm. the in the moment you least want them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. lots of good healthy sex in this book. Lots of good healthy sex in this book. Yeah, it's quite, um, it's got all the flavors of life in here. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, nobody yeah. has to be turned into any pigs except for Uncle Ernest. 
Oh, I wish that Cersei had been there to turn him into a pig. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I will also say that um, I liked um, the description of Taya as a lover, that like mm. she was such a good lover to mm-hmm. other people because she was all about like giving other people what she wanted. And when she wasn't very vocal, like in her life and, you know, like she was shy, mm-hmm. but she would like ask a million questions and like really... Yeah, and the yeah. part where she's asking... But um, it felt true to her character to be, like, a people pleaser. Yeah, but it was more than that, too, because remember there's the part where she's asking um, Salome what she likes, and then mm-hmm. Salome's like, what do you like? And it was like... I actually wrote this quote down. Um, mm-hmm. Being with an entirely separate universe of a person who wanted to be with her in return. Like, that was what she liked. That was what she liked. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't want to make it dirty but I think it definitely is like she's she's a twin like she has Mm. such an intimate connection with her sister that she feels ripped away from Mm. and she's continually like you know after sex people are can be very connected like she's looking for that connection Mm -hmm. which is why Salome asks her like what do you like and she's like I just like to be here Uh, like yeah I just like the connection yeah 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 well I think that uh yeah was that our last one Oh, the bowl is empty. Bowl is empty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any outstanding thoughts? Um, what do we think? Like, I mean, uh, should we talk about like the main trauma that has like fissured and then un? Yeah, I like, think we should. I think we should mention. It just doesn't this... come up in like any of our. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit before we were talking about how this book, although in many ways it focuses on like the sensual pleasures of life and there's Mm -hmm. like so many wonderful descriptions of places and food and colors and light and sound and music and sex but there's also a lot of intense trauma in this book like Mm -hmm. it covers rape and it Mm -hmm. covers murder Mm -hmm. and it covers like abuse in many ways like conversion therapy and suicide and addiction and betrayal like there's there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in this book yes there is um which i feel like is is all handled with a deft touch but it's it's still there yes mm-hmm. and so yeah the main tragedy or the main trauma of this was that Kande was repeatedly raped and assaulted by her aunt's husband when she was 12 years old after the death of her father. Yeah. And that, um, I guess the last attempt that he makes, mm-hmm. Taya happens to be there mm-hmm. and Taya freezes because yeah. he doesn't know that she's there. Mm-hmm. And Kende asks for help and Taya is not able to give it. But yeah. Sister Bissy comes and And so Taya has always thought that Kehindi blames her. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we also find out and like what we're told throughout the book is that Taya, from the moment that Uncle Ernest has shown up, mm. she has slept at the base of her mother's bed yeah. and which has not enabled, but certainly she, again, that's that sense. Like she's like, something's wrong with this guy. I don't like how he looks at me. She just like, she knows it instantly and she hides with her mother. And so she leaves Kehinde alone, who is then getting raped. Yeah. But she has like a 
underneath awareness that something bad is happening because she then attempts to kill him mm-hmm. in while she's sleepwalking. Yeah, yeah, and I just find the description of what she of like her description of him so chilling. Do you remember mm. where she's like, I couldn't get it, like a fix on his face. His face was just like a blurring, shifting. Like I yeah. properly. And that's how I knew something was wrong. Yeah. So then it's really that it's not just that Candy is like blaming Taya for that one time, mm-hmm. but it's like you left me alone. Mm-hmm. Like you must have known yeah. because you were leaving. Yeah. And Taya's like, I didn't know consciously, right. but it's these, you know, like and especially to have a twin where like they're, you know, mm-hmm. You think that twins tell each other everything, mm-hmm. and yet this huge thing is happening, and they're not telling each other about yeah. it. Yeah. But they're grieving the death of their father mm-hmm. and like the absenteeism of their mother, who mm-hmm. has like just like retreated. Mm-hmm. They're suffering already so much trauma, yeah. and this book is really about how even like the you know again what we think in our culture like twins like the closest of people Mm -hmm. who you know are often portrayed in our culture is like sharing one mind sharing one soul like uh, you know that twin connection Mm -hmm. um like the fissures of not communicating yeah not not you know yeah no yeah yeah and i love the part at the end where they finally talk about have it it out and they have it out kind of twice. Once where like Candy like yells at her, like mm-hmm. you left me alone. And then days later when Taya sits her down and is like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And it's not my fault. Like I was also a child. Yeah. Um, and the way that, that it talks about how that didn't like nothing's automatically better, but it's like moving in that direction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was so important for Taya to, to say like it mm-hmm. wasn't my fault because mm-hmm. yeah, like Hindi's kind of like held her responsible. And she's held herself responsible. Held herself responsible. And also like, you know, that's when Cammy also joins the conversation mm-hmm. and is like trying to fill in the pieces and yeah. also stunned by how much she didn't know yeah. about the situation yeah. that that they're, yeah, it's, and that's. Oh, in that part where she's, Kimber not, she's remembering her own experience where like her kin is coming to her and being like, your daughters are being oh, yeah. devoured and she's trying to leave them to help. But like each door just opens to another door, to another door, to another door and she can't get out. Yeah. Oh, it's so Yeah, sad. like she knows something's wrong. But she can't. But she it. can't figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite brutal. And I read an interview with Francesca Equiasi, um, where she talks about the importance of the food, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. But the food um, is really it fills in all the places and conversations that they can't have. Yeah. So so much of like when they go back, like Taya is constantly cooking mm-hmm. and planning all these meals. Yeah, so much food. And they talk about how is it the masa which after all the bad stuff happens to Hinkinde, like mm-hmm. that's what they give her. Like they could yeah. finally get her to come out of her room because yeah. that's what they give her. And that's what she makes for her when yeah. she comes back. Yeah. And uh, so like the food, I'm really like, that's so true in like in people, like, you know, you have a dinner party, like the food fills in the silence, you, yeah, you know, like you invite sure. people over, you offer them snacks. You don't know what to say. You put a piece of food in your mouth. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's also like a peace offering, right? Like yeah. Like when the very first 
Um, it provides conversation. It, yeah. You know, it provides something to do with your hands, with your mouth. Like it's, yeah. yeah. And it makes you happy generally. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you put your, your, your work and your effort into for someone else. Yeah. And then they yeah. feel that care. Mm-hmm. So there's such the importance of food, but yeah, like this book is such about like the breakdown of communication mm-hmm. and how you really got to communicate if you want to heal that trauma and move yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was brutif- brutal, but beautiful. Yeah. 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 All right. I think that winds us up for butter, honey, pig bread. Um, oh, shoot. I don't have a dash of absurdity to end us with. Well, here's a dash of absurdity. All right. I um, one time went to a restaurant in Montreal, which I feel is very linked to this because of uh, that's where Kande and Farouk lived. Mm-hmm. And worked in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I went to this restaurant called the Spirit Lounge. Ooh. And their whole gimmick was that they would not let you waste food. Oh. So when you got there, they would give you your sh- their spiel, which was like, we believe wasting food is a crime against humanity. So um, you have to eat every single thing on your plate or you're not allowed back to the restaurant ever. Oh. So... They had, they only made one meal every day. Oh. Um, and, but you could choose your portion size. Oh, okay. So I went with my, one of my friends and it's very stressful. Oh. <laughs> Feeling like, you know, you have to finish your plate or mm. they're going to yell at you and never let you back in. Do they yell? They don't yell, but I think that they that's like. frown. It's implied that you're going to get in trouble. Oh, okay. Right? Like it's, you're going to, it's that for me anyway, it felt like. Do you think people like to eat there because there's a slight thrill? They're like, oh, yeah, I could do. leave this carrot on my plate and someone's <laughs> going to yell at me like I'm a naughty boy. It must, <laughs> I, it must be. Right. And I would also like to note that the walls were covered in silver. So it kind of gave the impression that you were like inside a baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> inside a baked potato. So, Was anyway. it also sweaty? <laughs> <laughs> I was totally very sweaty from the nerves. I got my meal and I managed to eat it all, but there was um, a garnish of cilantro. Oh. And I love cilantro now, but at the time I hated it. Oh. And I said to my friend, like, you gotta eat my. I was like, does garnish, do garnishes count? And then they were like, I don't know. We're like, probably it's on your plate. Like, we have to eat it. And I was like, well, you gotta eat my cilantro. Like, I hate cilantro. And she was like, I also hate cilantro. <laughs> So did she also get a sprig of cilantro? Yeah. Oh so no. So both of us decided that the only way to do it was just like power it down. So at the same time, we took our like cilantro garnishes and we like stuffed them in our mouths and like <laughs> ate them as fast as we could. And uh, it was uh, it was a harrowing experience. I am allowed to go back, but I wouldn't. <laughs> Do you think they have a wall, like, with, like, a photo of, like, a shamed person? Well, that's the other thing. It's, like, how would they ever know, right? But I think... You dye your hair and wear, like, a costume. Go in disguise. (laughs) Get those, like, glasses with the fake nose and the Yeah, I don't know. I think that part of their tactic for... um, for this was it was quite big in like the restaurant and there were quite a few people in there, but they had a coat check mm. and there was no like tags. I think like they would take your coat and scroll it away. And when you were done, they would like bring back your coat. And I was like, I feel like that's how they're like, oh, I, we know who you are. Because so, we put a tracker on your coat. We know who you are. We know this is your coat, even though there was no tag to identify it. Yeah. It, I don't know. It felt like kind of like mind game. Oh. But I'm glad that I did it, mm. but I don't want to ever go back. If it's even still there, that was like so many years ago. It might not 
be there anymore. And mm-hmm. I do appreciate their take on food waste, mm-hmm. but I also think it was very much Could like, you take food to go? I don't think so. Mm. Which also is like, if you hate food waste so much, just let me bring a Tupperware. Yeah. I'm often someone who can't finish the restaurant, uh, food at a restaurant, and I always ask for food to to go. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Anyways, there you are, your dash of absurdity. <laughs> <laughs>